This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today, and we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. Before we get into the interview, I want to announce, if you don't know already, that Coffee Stains is now available for pre-order. On episode 99, I read the very first chapter of Coffee Stains, so if you would like to know a little bit more about the novel, head on over to episode 99 and you can listen to the full first chapter there. The pre-order is on Amazon, Kobo, and Bards and Noble. Pre-ordering helps me a little bit because it tells the algorithm that people are interested. If you're interested in coming of age stories, stories about strong female characters who have to make really difficult decisions, I think that Coffee Stains might be for you. Please share it with whoever you think might be interested. I'm very excited about this novel coming out. It's my third novel. It took a lot of work. The idea of the novel came to me 14 years ago. So it has been bubbling under the surface and has been edited and rewritten several times. And I'm really proud of the novel and I think that you guys are really going to like it. So links are in the show notes as well. Come celebrate with me by pre-ordering it or sending it to somebody who you know will enjoy it. Now, onto the show. Welcome everyone to the 102nd episode of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. Today is October 11th, 2021, and I have a fabulous guest with me today. Her name is Alicia McCalla. She is a sci-fi and fantasy writer, but oh my gosh, she is so much more than that. If you go to her website, aliciamccalla.com, you will see right away what her brand is as a writer. She says, I love writing stories and creating merchandise featuring strong Black women heroines who show bravery and courage in very challenging and sometimes dark worlds. You're in the right place if you love fast-paced action stories with main characters who make difficult choices and fight for survival, sometimes to the death. Oh, don't you want to know more? Oh my gosh. I want to know more. I had such a fabulous time talking with her and she goes into not only her writing, but how she created her brand strategy, which really leads into how she markets and writes her books. She is fabulous at putting together Um, not only her stories, but her merchandising, which goes together with her blog. And that's all because she knows exactly who she is as an author and as a brand. And so I think this is a really important episode for everyone to listen to as you hear from all these different gurus, as she and I talk about, sometimes we feel like we're swimming in all this information. And I think that Alicia is really inspiring and that she brings it down to who are you and what do you like to write and how can you incorporate that into a brand statement? So I'm not going to have any more intro for you today because I want you to get every ounce and every minute and second from Alicia's interview. So here she is. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast. Today I have with me Alicia McCalla. I'm so excited to have you on. Hi, Alicia. Hey. There's so much for us to talk about. So Alicia and I have sort of seen each other through another author group called the Author Success Mastermind. Mastermind. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you have so many cool things that I was like, I have to have you on. We have to talk about all these things. So before we get into it, um, would you just introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about who you are? Sure. My name is author Alicia McCalla, and I write strong Black women heroines in science fiction and fantasy, mostly for nerds who are concerned about representation and like stories of courage, bravery, and strength. I love that. Oh my gosh. So how did you get into writing? Have you always been a writer? Um, Is that your journey or did you get into it later? I was that kid at 10 years old writing stories, uh, maybe even younger. There's my mom and grandma have 
pictures of me when I was young with my little sun visor out typing on the <laughs> typewriter. My aunt, my auntie gave me one of her old typewriters. And so I've been writing stories for a really long time. I didn't actually take story writing seriously until uh, right around, right before I turned 40. So somewhere around 37, 38, um, I joined Romance Writers of America. And I just said, you know what, I want to try to um, take this a lot more seriously. And so that's what I did. And so I kind of started um, just getting out there, learning what, what writing a story meant, working through it. I since have learned mm. that I should not have been in Romance Writers of America because <laughs> I violated my stories. But um, I think I wrote my first novel published in 2012 and that was fun. And I was in the beginning a pantser. So I pantsed everything and I wrote myself into a lot of uh, brick walls. Okay. And then um, fairly recently, about three years ago, I lost my son and I had been pretty much writing in my part-time um, and I just could not return to school as a librarian. Um, it was just too emotional for me. So I flipped over. And so I have started now the journey of um, working as a full-time writer. Wow. And so I had to relearn. So I'm in the process now of relearning like how to, to tell stories now as a full-time author. And that requires for me a form of exploratory outlining. Yes. I can, I need just enough to keep it straight, but not too much. That kind of blocks me up with the writing. Yes. And so I, I have been working to rebrand myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, at what point did you end up publishing under romance or did you figure out pretty quickly that you wanted to write more fantasy sci-fi? So every story that I wrote that started as a romance went really bloody and violent. <laughs> <laughs> and all the old ladies in romance are like, this is, not <laughs> this is not a romance, right? And so I, I had to start to kind of understand, well, what is my story? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if your audience will be interested, but um, in general, uh, I, am a, I am a Marine Corps veteran. Okay. And so for me, um, even when I, so even if I read romances, when I did read them, they tended to be more on the dark side mm -hmm. anyway. So probably would have been like a romantic suspense or you know, even like a dark paranormal romance or something like that. I always like I, I would I would be a Sheryl Sherilyn Kenyon kind of a reader, you know, that some someone that kind of likes the the high suspense thriller type story. Okay. Right. Yeah, I feel um, like these days there's there's so many genres, but I didn't realize how many genres there were when I used to just read and not yeah, <laughs> you know, so you're like, it's a romance. Because they fall right. in love eventually, even yes. if they're killing people. So yes, but there is a pendulum. <laughs> but there is a pendulum. <laughs> you could go too far with the killing part, and it's just like no. <laughs> I have a friend of mine, and she is a bona fide contemporary romance author, and we are sort of we sort of are accountability partners for some things, and so she'll call me up and go, "I was." looking at these two hour reads and it was this beautiful story and had the ice cream truck and they fell in love. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm reading a bloodthirsty fury story. <laughs> <laughs> There's no ice cream in this story. <laughs> and if there was, it would turn out nice reading money, right? <laughs> Isn't it funny how we can have, be friends with people that are so, we're just so different, but uniquely yes. different. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yeah. So did you figure out pretty quickly that Romance Writers of America probably wasn't where you needed to be? I did, but it, it no, it wasn't. Quickly, it wasn't. Unfortunately, no, I think I got into some role confusion. Okay. Um, and right before my son um, was missing from the Navy, um, right up until that time, I think I had begun to shift. Mm -hmm. But then at that point, that was such a major thing. And then when... I finally came out of it like six or seven months later with the grief. I just knew that I couldn't 
you know, I had to really make a shift. And so that officially started my rebranding process. Okay. Um, And as you can see right now, I have on my merchandise, a vampire huntress. She's one of my, one of my first characters that I wrote there. That's awesome. that was kind of neat. Were you always a, a sci-fi reader or watcher? Mm-hmm. Okay. I always read science fiction and fantasy. Um, I really have always loved epic fantasy and urban fantasy. Um, but my first, when I was a teenager, uh, Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Piers Anthony, um, Terry Pratchett, you know, so I actually love my science fiction and fantasy with a little bit of humor. Right. But because of the subjects, I think when I started to write, I didn't realize that I, I liked the light humor and satire. Okay. But fairly recently, as I began to rebrand, so like you were talking about how do you break into a genre? So I started reading like granularly, like okay okay, let me read 40 of these urban fantasies or let mm. me read 40 of these epic fantasies to kind of understand. And so then when you get 40 of them, then you can break them up into parts and pieces and say, okay, I love these. This one's okay. This, these are okay. These are okay, but these. And so the ones that I really was gravitating towards were the ones that had a, a heroine that had a little snark to her okay. or some humor or a foil character. So that's when I begin to create my brand position statement and to add those pieces in okay. there. Mm-hmm. So we were talking before and you said that you are a research-based oriented author. You said that comes from being a librarian. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm really focusing this season on kind of developing the craft of writing. But I think um, one thing that's missing is kind of the brand statement for a lot of authors. And figuring out really what your brand statement is and what you want to represent. So when you decided that you needed to really hone in on that, you, I think it's fascinating that you took those books and you read with something in mind other than just like passing the time. Like you're really looking to be like, find out who you want to be as a brand, right? Yes. Not so like I was reading for the tropes. I was reading for what I liked. I was reading for the things that I uh, honestly could not finish. Right. Because there were some, so there, so I think there's this thing with writers that's making a lot of money. Right. Yeah. And so we're like, I need to love this or I want to read this author. And there are some authors I would consistently read them and they were making lots and lots of dollars, but I just never liked their stuff. Right. And so I, I think we, we can get ourselves turned upside down with gurus and people who are best-selling authors and people who are doing certain types of platforms, but none of it actually is fitting of us or what we love or our authentic selves. Yeah. So one of the things that I've been working on is who am I authentically? And so I did do some, some thought into that and testing. I did the fascinate test. Why, why would customers and readers be fascinated about me Okay. and found out that I was a secret weapon. And then I did the Clifton strengths test. And that told me about what my strongest, my five strongest strengths were or 10, because I went ahead and paid for that. Okay. And then I did the Colby test, which told me that I was a fact finder. I do the research and quick start. So I just started then craft, well, what works for me individually? Um, And so not all styles, not all methods, not all platforms that's not going to work for me. Right. Um, and for me, I learned that a good brand should bring in or attract the right people, but repel the wrong people. Right. And so then that gave me license to feel more comfortable because it's like, not everybody's going to like me or not everybody's going to want what I have. Yeah. And that helped me because I think there's a lot of writers they want to be loved by everybody. Yes. And they believe that everybody loved 
even Shakespeare. Everybody didn't love Shakespeare, right? Uh, <laughs> or ask all the high schoolers right now if they love Shakespeare, and they'll be like, <laughs> right? Except for that one person. <laughs> I don't even understand what he's talking about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you can't really be all things to all people. Yeah. And just because this author has 20,000 followers on TikTok or 20,000 followers on Pinterest. If you hate Pinterest or you are not a video person, you shouldn't be on TikTok. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Yes. You have to figure out for you, what's your strong point? What's, what's, what drives you? What makes you excited? And that not only comes with your choice of platform, but also your choice of publications or things that you choose to write. Right. I I mean, we talk a lot in the author world of finding your audience, but listening to you, it's like, if you don't know who you are and what you want to write, it would, it's going to be hard to find your audience. Cause like you said, we love to think that everyone's going to love our book. And Mm. the truth is there's enough people out there, but if Mm -hmm. you can't market it specifically, you're just throwing money away. Yes. And that's, I think that is the hardest part for a lot of authors to deal with. And oftentimes they try to be everything to everybody. And they're like, I'm trying so hard. Why is this not working? Well, one, are you being authentically you? Are you stepping into your power and your abilities? Are you, and then the good news about figuring out like my Clifton strengths are there are some things that I just shouldn't be doing, right? <laughs> That's what you need to find a virtual assistant to help oh, you with, nice. right? Yeah. Um, because now you understand, oh, I'm really good at these things, but these other things, well, I need to get help with that, okay. you know? And so I, I think there's strength and learning about who you are from all aspects, from the writing part mm-hmm. all the way up to your promo and your marketing part. Okay. That's, that is awesome advice. I think I might need to go do a test. A few <laughs> or two. But, I mean, I've, I've never heard of, of it that way. And I've looked at so many marketing things, but it, it makes so much sense to realize, um, just being comfortable with who you are and what you like to write and what your experiences are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes you just have to remind yourself over and over again, your stories aren't for everyone. And like you said, like, you don't really want to waste time with people who don't like a man looking for a guy in a sci-fi. If he, you you don't want to waste your time with him because you're, you're writing female (laughs) protagonist. uh, And you don't want the review from him either, because he's going to be like, Mm -hmm. I didn't understand this book. Like, cause it's not for you. You are not my audience. (laughs) So in earnest, Um, I do. So my platform tends to primarily be African-American women about my age. So somewhere between um, I have I have a lot of 50 year olds. So that's that's my actual age. Um, And I also have my next tier would be African-American men. Okay, right. That like science fiction and fantasy. And then I go with uh, uh, traditional uh, Caucasian women. And then I have this like small subset of white men. Um, and, but they are, they would be those white males who are okay with, yeah. they want to read, they're, they're concerned about representation. Right. And so for them, they just like a good story mm-hmm. and are, are willing to read. But I, I'm pretty clear about who my audience is. Um, so I do have some maverick ideas and you can pull me back if you think I'm going too far, but for me, I'm very much into more the content marketing and I got this way, not from researching other authors, but when I did my deep dive, I started to research other industries. So I was looking at people in the merchandising industry and people in the handcrafted jewelry industry or handcrafted uh, industry. And so I was looking at the artists and the painters, what were they doing? And so their, their platforms are all about the uniqueness because if Mm. they're making jewelry, 
right? Yeah. They can't make jewelry for everybody, right? right? They have to just make their special seashells or right. their special techniques that if they do metalworking, then they can only look for people who like metalworking. And so I was able to do the research in the cross industries to see what those creatives were doing and how they were building their platforms. And many of them were not running Facebook ads or were not marketing on uh, Etsy or, you know, in that sense. They were um, doing their content marketing on their blog posts and sharing their authentic selves. And so they had a special way in which they were looking at um, what does the the customer want? Mm -hmm. Not, they, they weren't blogging to find other artists. Interesting. They started saying, I'm blogging for other customers. So what would they be interested in? Okay. So they would be interested in, um, is I'm a metal worker. Is this jewelry heavy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they start to look at different ways. And so how does that look for me? Well, perfect example that I used in my um, presentation for the Career Author Summit was Wonder Woman 1984 versus Black Widow. That was one of my literal blog posts. And I took a hard stance on it because I hate Wonder Woman 1984. It was too romancy. She was so weak. And I've been a Wonder Woman fan for like 40 years, right? I was like, I mean, no one can see, but you've got Wonder Woman curtains there. Like, oh, that would make me so mad. I was so So mad. I haven't seen it yet. So it's not worth seeing. Like, I have a hardcore Wonder Woman fan in the family. She's not going to look. I don't know. I mean, she's eight. So. Yeah, well, she's eight. Maybe she could take it. I don't know. But when you look at the two brands, Black Widow movie came out and it was what I thought the Wonder Woman 1984 woman should have been like. Okay. You've got a female empowerment brand. You need to stick with that. And so I wrote a very clear and present blog post. And so I shared it in social media And some guy tried to mansplain me about why he thought it was. And I was like, you could say what you want. I know you like your women weak. I understand, right? (laughs) But the thing about it was, I also picked up Mm -hmm. subscribers. Like, so people did not, they didn't say anything like in the Facebook post. They didn't say anything in the group. But they went to my page, posted comments on my page. and was like, uh, Alicia, I agree with you. And next thing you know, I had people signing up. Right, right. Right. So that's the kind of subscriber that I'm looking for because they are interested in the same things that I am. Yes. And so my, my brand is definitely a female empowerment brand. Right. Right. The mansplainer. He's never going to like my stories. <laughs> no, but I love the, I love your attitude. And I, I really, I've told people a few times, like, just because this is what you do and this is your main thing in life doesn't mean that you don't have other interests, but yeah. when you're branding, like you really can't let all the interests and all the things that you are infiltrate, like. And I think that's hard sometimes these days because you'll have some dude come into your comments and say yes. something and you might feel at first, especially if you don't, aren't really grounded in who you are, like, oh, you know, I don't know, I guess if you like romance, like trying to be all things, like you've said to all people. And it's like, yeah, just no, make a hard kiss stand. Them, yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't argue with them. I'm just yeah. like, I don't, you can you can say whatever you want to say, dude, have at it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I don't agree with you. And no, you're not changing my mind. And, you know, but I think me taking that clear and present stand right. and not arguing with him, then other people like, hmm, let me go read that. And they clicked right through and read through it and had comments about it yeah. and thoughts about it and felt good about it. Yeah. Um, but I will say the other side of it. When I sent that blog post to my list, so I had run a superhero campaign. Okay. And when I sent that blog post to my list, I got about three or four unsubscribes, right? Yeah. But that might have been a good thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Even though they were superhero readers, 
they were not my kind of readers, right? Because I'm a female empowerment brand at the very core and underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. We got to not take, um, I mean, I always check the unsubscribes. <laughs> I can't not do it, but you know, and then I, have I to, check where they came from yeah, like, and I looked and, and all of them were from that. It the was superhero. Like a, yeah. I did a superhero campaign with a reader magnet, which they got for free or right. something. Uh, I feel like it wasn't book funnel. But it was the, uh, was it story origin or something like that? Or prolific uh, one of works, those. one of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've been on my list, but you know, maybe they were checking me out and they finally were like, no, she's not for me. And that's what you want. Yeah. And you don't want to feel bad about it because right. ultimately I'd rather have a lean list. You know, when you look at the creative economy, all it requires is 2000 subscribers who are willing to pay a hundred dollars for the year and you got your two hundred thousand dollars right wow that's doesn't require a lot right but if your list is bloated you, you know what i'm saying yeah. and you yeah you can have five thousand if they're not opening they're not clicking they're not buying or engage yeah. with you or right. like the things that you say um, so I know we want to talk a little bit about merchandise. Yeah, like that goes right into it because yes, if you so I was looking at you, especially um, I think it was a couple weeks ago, not a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. Um, it was when I first saw your merchandise, and I was like, that blows my mind because really, what you need is to hone your audience. Like mm, you need an mm-hmm. audience that is into what you're into. Mm-hmm. And that, like, that started me down the path of like, okay, this marketing thing, there's something to having a really honed audience. So it is. talk to us a bit, because you have merchandise that's amazing, first of all. Yes, the the links will be in the show notes. <laughs> the ideas that you've come up with, because what's interesting about women in their 50s is they have kids and they're having grandkids. grandkids yes. Mm-hmm. And what's awesome about you is like, you, you might not have grown up with a lot of representation. In fact, I can probably mm-hmm. assume you didn't have a, too much representation in your budget. Not at all. Like mm-hmm. white men were probably the sci-fi superheroes, right? So like what's awesome is they can then bring it to their grandkids of like, look, yeah. like, yeah. So I feel like I sent you a bib Yes, because it was so cool. I was freaking out because I did an Afropuff superhero and I actually did write a little story for her. Um, and I was having fun with doing the product descriptions because sometimes I write little stories with those. Oh, but I thought um, people were asking me, they were like, I love to have this for my grandbabies or I love to have this. And so I was like, well, let me make a small kids collection. So I just plopped a bib in there just to see, and I sold a bib and I made some good money from that bib, right? Yeah, it's so cute. (laughs) It's so cute. And I think it's like, not everyone wants a princess thing for their kid, you know, like superheroes are awesome. They're empowering. They give like encouragement to kids. And it's a really cute bib. (laughs) (laughs) So I think this is an amazing idea. So where did you come up with this idea while you're like, it's only been kind of three years since you've done this whole branding redoing and your genre. So actually hasn't been three years. It's been more for me, like a year and a half because it took me a while to just make the shift. Um, So as I was researching about, I was researching the other creatives and trying to learn a little bit about, you know, what to do. Um, And I wanted to expand on my writing because I, I soon figured, yes, I can sell a book for $2.99 and even I can record my own audio books and that's a certain dollar amount. But how do I really get people in and mm-hmm. how do I really in- improve on the representation? So I think Vampire Huntress is a perfect example. Uh, even though I love uh, Afropuff Superhero, um, I also write um, a lot of hunters and huntresses mm-hmm. and that kind of a thing. And so um, Vampire Huntress was a story, short story that I wrote for Mocha Memoirs Press. It was one in an entire collection. And I start thinking about it and there's not a lot of black vampires in the world um, and not anthologies even. And so I was like, well, how can I expand this concept 
so that people would want to do more. Mm -hmm. And so um, I wrote the story and then I started looking at the products that I could put out and I hired an artist to create the image. And then um, the Vampire Hunters got featured on this audio dramatic podcast called Black Women Are Scary, right? So they ended up doing a whole party for me online. Oh, and so I said, you know what? I have these products. I have people can get, get your tote bag and put your steaks in there too, right? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and so at the party, I offered people 20% off of the merchandise. I sold so much merchandise then. Yeah. I sold t-shirts. I showed signed copies of the short story anthology. I, I, I sold, um, tote bags. Um, I might've even sold a couple of cups. I have to remember, but that was nice. So what I'm trying to say is that completely extended the experience yeah. for them. And so people were hitting me up on Instagram with pictures of them oh, wearing the vampire hundreds, uh, t-shirts. And it was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, even with the Afropuff superhero, I did a um, I did a specialized con called Virtuous Con, and I and I offered a discount, and people hit me up again on Instagram, and they like had their shirts ripped open with their Afropuff superhero. I am Afropuff superhero. It was That's fantastic. Awesome. Like you can see that the fandom yes is there, not just for representation but that you can extend your world and your reach with specialized products. Yes. But you have to be able to do it in the right way. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So these are, you, you focus on the merchandise after you already had the story and then you're just mm -hmm. looking to, to extend that. So do you have merchandise for every series that you have? No, okay. I don't. But um, because some of the, some series are not as popular or big, um, but, but it doesn't mean that you can't. Yeah. Like I have fairies. So right now I'm working on a fairy series, a fairy serial, I think. And so maybe I might do something there. I have yeah. to think on it or not because black fairies are like cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I love this too, because you like it's, it still goes let me, into. Let me, go ahead. Let me be clear, though. It's black fairies who are warriors, right? I write. Uh, well, I don't know if you would curse, but kick-ass black women, yes. right? So she has to be a fighter, right? So when I do my fairies, if I do a product line, she's got to be a huntress, right? Or somebody who's you know a fighter, warrior, that type. But aren't fairies really in the original mythology? They're not as as trite. nice. Yes, yes a yes. trite. Trite's a great word. They were mean. They were mean. <laughs> yes, like they so took that's away why babies I went with and a fury. things. Yeah. This one is a. I have a fury reaper, a fury hat reaper hat hybrid that I'm working with right now for my serial fiction. Um, so I might actually create a line to go right. along with this serial because I think that that works. And one other thing I want to say, I think that there is nothing more intoxicating than you sell the book, you sell the audio, and then you sell a sweatshirt. Because I made $16 for every sweatshirt that I sold. That's way more <laughs> than you'll make for a book. Oh my yes. gosh. <laughs> It's addictive. I was like, how many, how many more sweatshirts can I sell? <laughs> but what's funny is we're in that time. People love their merchandise. So like, yes, they do. why not make it? You know, yes. we like to feel part of a club, you know, mm -hmm. and how fun would it be to be out in Atlanta and see another woman wearing her vampire hunches and be like, oh. Ooh, we read the yes. same one. <laughs> And then like, as you know, buying it for you know, your grandbabies or your, or your kids, like they don't have to read the books yet, but it's like fun to have them part of a club. They like, I don't know. I just think it feeds our, why else do we have sweatshirts from colleges? You know, like we want right. to be part of something. And I just think that 
But I love how thoughtful you are also about doing it. You don't just jump onto it because, oh, let me go spend five days doing something because that's what Alicia said I should do. And so like, but be thoughtful about how you can promote it, you know, Mm -hmm. where you can go to get eyes on it, you know? So when I originally was building my store, I did take some time. I spent a lot of time doing it and I learned a very valuable lesson. I got help first of all Mm -hmm. to get the store. So I didn't try to do all of that by myself. But um, I also learned that I want to spend the majority of my time writing. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, if I roll out another product line, I definitely maybe only would do one item per month, right? Mm. So you so you can't do like a cup and a tumbler and a t-shirt and a <laughs> it's like let it let every time that you put a product out, it's gotta be a fanfare. There's a cup. Yes. Right. And turn it into a little video and it spins off and flies. Like, That's a good idea. Know? And so you want to do that every month. So you have something new. So like for me, as I'm I don't know if you wanted me to talk about with the serial yes. fiction that I'm working on, but with the serial idea, I want to definitely follow Stephanie Bond's business model okay. where she does the six novellas. And so if I'm going to be releasing these six novellas, well, the first part of the month is the novella release. And then those last two weeks, just one piece of merch. Interesting. And then you go all the way those six months. Then month seven, the cereal's done, right? So then you do, um, maybe for me, it would be the audiobook next because I'm recording audiobooks. And then month eight is the hardcover and the print edition. And then all of that merch that you've done over the six or seven months, then you have a, a, a collection sale just on that merch. So you've got the hardcover. And then you've got all of the the merch. So that would be at least six or seven products for people to enjoy because now they finished it. They might want to go deeper with it or they might be ready to share that. Right. Right. I love how thoughtful you are because sometimes I feel like I'm going insane with all the ideas out there that you can. A lot of ideas, you know, but I'm I'm learning a lot talking to you because it's like it's so true that you don't have to bring it all out at the same time. Mm, I don't know mm -hmm. why I think this, (laughs) you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I have to get this and I have to get that. And how could I, and it distracts me from the the product I need to finish, like either the book that I need to finish or the hardcover. And then, because there's so many shiny objects. (laughs) So I would, I would say the brand position statement would be helpful to a lot of people. Because then you can look to see, well, one, do you need help with that? Right. Like, right. Um, And so I probably, I'll decide, um, because I think I want to outsource even the one product a month. But yeah, you could pay somebody, you know, 15, 20 bucks. It might not take them a, a half an hour right. to get it set up, right? So true. And it's, it's worth it to do that. Or if I decide to do it myself and I have the time, well, I can do it. And it, it's not going to be overwhelming. Sure. I I like to look at things from the minimal bar okay. and not the maximum bar. I think the minimum bar is one product a month. And the maximum bar is let me put out 24 24 items on Printify. <laughs> I need a towel. I need, I need this. I need that. No, 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 no. You yeah. stress yourself all out. Um, and there's nothing saying that you can't add those even later. Right. So if you're if you're searching Printify or Printful or any of the print on demand, and let's say, so the Stephanie Bond model, you've got your six months, seventh, and eighth month. And then after that eighth month, well, it depends on where you're finishing it. What if uh, Black Friday is coming or what if Halloween is coming? Mm. So then you might say, ooh, what, what newbies are here? So then you put another one. And then what do you do? Yeah, have a Black Friday sale. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Oh, well, and this helps too with content because we're all yeah. on Instagram or, or Pinterest or Facebook or wherever you are, you can put a picture out 
and yes. be like, oh gosh, now I have to fight another one today because today's a new day. And yeah. That way you're like, oh, I'm only prov- here's your cup, right? Yeah, you have the here's cup and then here yeah. cup with the, the story and yes. then, you know, drinking from the cup. Right. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it helps to like lessen that stress instead of being like, oh, here's my whole collection. And now mm-hmm. you feel like you've told everyone and you're like, oh, now what do I talk about? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Something different. Yes. Well, see, and I would tell you that even you need to think about your content marketing. Mm. So you should never, ever feel like you don't have anything to talk about because you do. As writers, we always, there's always a movie that we love that inspire us, a Netflix series. There's always, um, hey, like for me, me and my husband traveled to Ghana and I use Adinkra symbols in one of my series. So I did a post on Adinkra symbols, right? Right. Or there's always, there's always something as an author that could drive your potential customer and reader to you. Um, so I have, um, I have mixtures of those on my content marketing. So I might do a shop this look and I'll go on Amazon and I'll knock out a couple of things and I'll put on some camo pants and my vampire huntress with the character on there. I was like, shop this look. Yeah. And people will click you. Of course I have to have some high heel boots or something. But people go clicking through that. Yeah. And then that next blog post is, hey, did you see Warrior Nun? That's one of my favorite shows, right? And then I'll write a post about Warrior Nun. Do you see what I'm yes. like, So you're mixing and matching up who you are, your loves, and your interests. Yes, that's that's really, I love how this is all meshing together. Because if you know who you are and you're writing what is authentic to you, then you feel like you can be authentic in your blog posts and your social media because it all goes together. So, yeah. And I feel like readers love to know, like, are those symbols that, what are you, what are they called again? The symbols, the Adinkra symbols, the Adinkra yeah. symbols. like I would, yeah. as a reader, th- like, is this something real? Like, can I go find out about it? You know, I, I'm the, yeah. that will, who will Google. So if I could just so go I to will, your blog. So I will take Adinkra's like the Adinkra earrings like I have on Those today. Are awesome. yeah. So I put them on one of my shop this looks with the vampire huntress or Ankh earrings. Um, so these are definitely cultural things that a person who's um, a middle-aged um, African-American woman would love because she's right. going to love culture. So she wants to mix her culture with her, her uh, heroines that she right. loves to read. And so I'm looking for things that would be suitable or that would fit yeah. for her. And that's mm-hmm. a great way to collaborate too, right? To get out of just the writing world, but you can find a whole new audience because if you're willing to collaborate with a jewelry maker, it's like, well, you if could, your audience right? loves this jewelry, they might love yes. my books. But like, yes. but that's just fun too. Like it's a bonus yes. that they might buy my books, but it's fun to just help other artists because we all need it. So you, so you just did it though. Do you realize what you just did? You just took and made your brand and you thought outside the box. And none of that was any of the things that you heard from a guru recently, right? That's true. Because writing gurus don't tell you that. This is very like, true. They they just was like, oh, you write multiple genres? Like, don't do that. Right? Yes. <laughs> like, no, you need to write what write what you love. Right. And share with the world what you love and show up and be authentic and then attract those people to you. You want that person, no matter what you put out, they're going to buy it. They're going to love it. They want to be a part of it. You, you know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. They want to be a part of your experience. But if, you, if you're not sharing you, um, yeah. it's difficult to do. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And uh, along with this, we were talking about before of like, um, kind of how thoughtful you are about doing it and not jumping on the next thing. So in the writing world, Vela, just yes, Kindle Vela. <laughs> Kindle Vela is like the next thing, right? Even though it's not new, like it's not a new idea. That's mm-hmm. what gets me about this. It's like, it's mm-hmm. not new. Galatea has already been around. There's another one. Um, uh, Radish. Radish. Uh, 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 scream, kiss, 
Isn't that funny? But now um, we're all in the we're Asian all market. They're been dream. Like, so my sisters, they all love to, to wa- read the dream app and they've been reading it for multiple years. Right. Isn't it um, frustrating? Amazon comes in and you're like, you're not. Everybody's original. like, it's new, it's ready. <laughs> right. Yeah. Amazon, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking before, um, that you've decided not to do Vela. So yes. Why, why did you decide? Cause you're, t- you're re- working on a cereal and Vela's yes. for cereals, right? So how yes. did you come to this conclusion of not using Vela? So we talked again about my brand position statement. And one of the things that is in there is I am a, a high researcher and um, I like to take my time with concepts and things and I don't roll anything out without thoroughly looking at it. Mm-hmm. And so when Vela first came out, I was super excited and took a class in how to write serial fiction. And I automatically began to learn about the broader market of serials. Okay. So that started to give me my foundation. And I recognized that people were already making two or $3,000 a month, just being like you say on radish. I mean, it's so always like, well, what is Vela offering? Right. And so I just, everybody was having a, a lottery ticket mentality. Let me get on Bella. I'm getting my Bella storage ready. I'm doing all this. And so I just sat back and said, hmm, let me do more research. Mm-hmm. And so I have some serial fiction authors that I have been following for quite some time. And so I said, let me go look to see these people who have been writing serial fiction and have been making money from it for at least four or five years. Let me see if they're running to Bella. None of them were running to Vela. None of them put, as a matter of fact, the, the month that Vela launched, there's this one author that I love. I even love her books. And I was like, I wonder if she's doing Vela. She put those things right on KU, didn't even hiccup. And then she, the only thing she did was call it a seasons and episodes, right? <laughs> but she put it on KU and went about her business. It's just like, I it's to have four or five of them lined up, right? Right. And so I think the idea was that everybody who was not a serial fiction author was running to Vela. And so somewhere in, I want to say August or maybe August or September, people started to say, oh, I got beer money out of it. Or a couple of people said they made $20,000 from it. Oh. And what I came to figure out was like, um, Amazon is like really into the lottery ticket mentality. So they're like dropping 20,000 on certain people. So then everybody else, I got to get in there and put all this stuff on there. No, 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 you don't. That's you know, interesting. not for me. So I opted to stay out of it to learn more about, I wanted to write good serial mm-hmm. fiction. It wasn't just chopping up my novels and putting up, putting them up there for consumption. And I have this other caveat. So for me, I would even need to find the right business model, right? Because I have merchandise. I have a website and I believe in direct selling. That's one of the caveats on my brand position statement. So I want to build my home first. So what business model could I use? Well, Stephanie Bond came along at Career Officer Summit. I was like, this is the business model for me because she's having people come take a look at her daily serial for six months. Well, I'm not Stephanie Bond, so I might not be able to do six months, but I can certainly do something in there like what Stephanie does. Now, Stephanie does KU, but for me, I think I want to offer something unique for my readers. I might offer them, I might go wide with my cereal, but offer them a discount to buy direct from me. From you. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So even though other people, I'm seeing them doing these things, I still have to look at my statement. Yep. What works for me. And I know I want to upsell people with merchandise. Right. So I have to consider all those things in relation for me. Right. And not necessarily just follow the pejorative wisdom of others. Yes. I I think it's also, it's important to have the home base. Like I keep thinking of all, all of us are sold on this idea of running ads on Amazon, running ads on Facebook and all this. But if you can't get people to your website or you don't work Mm. on that, like 
what if Facebook shuts down for a whole day? <laughs> it just did. Right? Like, no. What if Facebook shut down? WhatsApp? Instagram? <laughs> what if Amazon's Messenger? there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to jinx anything, but yes. you need your stuff. Like you want people coming to your website, right? So to mm-hmm. focus at least part of your energy on that. But I also think it's important when your brand has several genres, because Mm -hmm. if you're a hardcore sci-fi fiction reader, which I find this odd that like no one, that there's people that don't read anything else, but one genre, but I guess they exist, but they They might come to you and be like, well, I like her sci-fi. Maybe I'm willing to try one of her other books, you know, or they'll just buy it because they like you and they don't even know they're reading another genre. But they might, Amazon might not suggest your other group of books, Mm -hmm. you know, it really depends on that whole algorithm thing that I barely understand, but. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't. Okay. So Amazon is a retailer and retailers goal is to keep, keep the audience with them. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one thing that we have to understand. Right. So even with Kindle Vela, I thought it was interesting that Amazon's not even letting people put their websites on really in the in the the, yeah. the thing, right? Because they don't want they want to keep their customers. Right. They want to keep their readers for them. They, they don't want you to convert people right. from them to you. Right. They don't want right? you clicking out just like Facebook. Like they don't really want you to click out of Facebook to go to yes. their so you have to figure out for you, well, how do you work with you? How do you cultivate and build your ecosystem? Now for me, because I, I think we had a little brief discussion about, I write multiple genres. Mm-hmm. And so I quickly learn that for me, I'm writing an archetype. That's what's most important to me. So I'm going to do a strong black woman heroine who's a fighter or a huntress or a survivor, and, but I will write it in science fiction, fantasy stories, and sometimes horror, because I, I can go that far. And so if you, if you find, if you have the right audience mm-hmm. from your newsletter subscribers, it really doesn't matter, right? right? Because they're loving you and what you write. They love your voice. And now, maybe some people are like, well, I'll wait till she comes around with the other one, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe, but maybe others will be like, I just love all of her strong female heroines. Um, so I'm going to read everyone that comes out. And I feel like that works. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But you cannot do that with the retailers. No. You can only do that from your home base. And I do believe that there are many authors who look at their uh, webpage as a landing page mm-hmm. or as just a, a, ho- a holding page, or I just gotta have a website so I look like a writer, <laughs> but they haven't updated it in like 20 years. Yes. I wouldn't say 20, but you know what I'm saying? Oh, they yeah. haven't done anything with it to engage with an audience because a lot of gurus say yep. blogging is dead. Mm-hmm. A lot of gurus say readers don't care about your website. You know, all they care about is your newsletter. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So you have all this knowledge out there or people saying these things, but is that true for you? Like I stopped blogging because a lot of gurus were saying that blogging was it, but I was good at blogging. Yep. When I first started, I was getting 40,000 views a week on oh my, my website. Gosh. And I just stopped blogging because somebody said that, well, you know. That's not good to do. It's a waste of your time as a writer, right? Dang, 40,000 views. You must be and really good. And I stopped good. doing it. Yeah. Right? I did good. Yeah, there's it. too many voices. I've literally heard people say, just make a landing page for your, and I've been on right. them and I'm clicking, like trying to find out more about the author and there's nothing there. No, no information there's there. Nothing. They don't have a branded biography. They just have some caricature you're like what is this yes but I will tell you this because um about the blogging so one blog post that I wrote um uh maybe last year yeah last year last August um it went viral and 
in two hours, I sold nine books from that one blog post. Nice. Like people from social media, it got shared like 30 or 40 times. I mean, it just went. Right. I mean, you can look at it and go, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. And then all of a sudden I, I went to the retailers just to see and like, wham, I had sold like all these books in just a short period of time. And I did nothing else. I didn't do a boost post even. Yeah. It was just me in my groups sharing in social media and it just sparked and got shared everywhere. And not only did I get new, um, get book sales, but then I got new subscribers. Right. Right. And so when I started doing content marketing, black back to my blogging in one year, I got 80 new, um, subscribers. Nice. Right. Yes. And, those and are subscribers mostly I've that maintained know you. those people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They come specifically. They're not because you always have to, if you're giving them something for free, you know, at least half of them are going to end up going away. <laughs> we just but love see, that's stuff. the caveat. I didn't even say, Yeah, I didn't originally say that I was giving them any story for free. Right. But if they put their email in, then they did get a story from me. But I didn't, in the when I first started to do the content marketing, I said, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm give, I just want to see if they it's signed up, up, right? Yep. So they didn't even need that. Yes. But we, but we guru said, you must have something special for these people and you must tell them get four free reads. And I'm not saying it doesn't work because it does, you know, yeah. but you, is it necessary? Right. Why, why are the people there that you want them there for you? Not for the free, not for racking up free reads. Yes. And those kind of people will get on your list and immediately unsubscribe once they get the freebie, right? Yep. But the people that I had, those people were not unsubscribing. They might unsubscribe later because I talked about Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> <laughs> or because but they, they just weren't had a... unsubscribing from, because yeah, they, didn't, never know. they got the freebie and were gone, you know? Yes, yes. And I think this is really important, what you're saying of like, don't just jump on the bandwagon of every single guru or of the new thing that's coming out. Really take some time to think about it because that you'll you'll end up in a corner. Um, I, I don't know if you've been here where you do everything that you that they say to do, and then you realize that like you have a whole bunch of people on your list that just want more free stuff, and then you get yes. frustrated because you think I shouldn't have to work like this is my work and my passion and it's not for Mm -hmm. free it takes me a whole year to write a book or you know like this is work but then I also I'm too logical to be like yeah but I kind of also brought them in on all this free stuff you know so it's like I've conditioned the writer gurus don't talk about this but the merchandising gurus did and one of the things they said is they broke them down into different levels so they said you have the collector level then they had another level, which kind of like an in-between. And then you have your freebie seekers. And so they said for them, if if somebody's buying jewelry, you want the collectors. Mm-hmm. These are the very specific, high, highly engaged individuals who are willing to pay for it. Right. And so I think our writers groups or our writers gurus have been sharing things with us like you're collecting all these freebie seekers. Right. And so you aren't getting, so for us, maybe the, the collector is the person that's just going to love everything that you do, you know? And so you want them to have this different mentality. You might even like the middle group, right? Like they could go either way. Right. So if you're, but if your list is primarily comprised of the collectors and that middle group, you could, then you'll start seeing some results. But if, if you've got a, a newsletter subscriber list is all freebie seekers. What are they going to buy from you? So true. That's probably the most wisdom I've heard on marketing in the last year. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it was helpful. Yes, it is. Because I do look at the other artists, the other creatives in this world, and you're like, they don't give away half the amount of free stuff that writers do. And I think we're conditioning readers in a way that doesn't benefit us. <laughs> so we, gotta, right. we need to be more careful about this. Um, but readers will, they will pay. Right. So if you have a special hardcover book that's only available from you, mm. if they love your work, 
you, you see, how, yes. you have to, you have to build uh, that authentic relationship. They need to feel like you guys are friends. Yes. Right? And if you aren't building that, then how they're going to know you. Right. Right. Yes. And especially if you're keeping them only on social media, you know, they're only seeing you share your dinner. <laughs> They might like your food. <laughs> yeah, I, I eat that too. Like, great. Do you read yeah. the same thing as me? <laughs> like, yeah, there are so many really cool ideas. Um, you know, we won't, lots of, what are the digital things now? The NFTs or NFPs? Yes. So, like, that's awesome, but you have to have your audience. And yes. so all and this- that thing that Jay Thorne was talking about with the NFT sounds fantastic. And I was I, I did sign up for it because I wanted to learn more, right. but I went to the workshop, I listened to it and I filed it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And I said, this is on my coming up things. I took all my notes and I kept it because I know eventually I would love to get to that. Mm-hmm. But that, that's a, like you said, so many fantastic ideas, but you can't run for the shiny object. Yes. Let me learn. Let me take my time. Maybe it might take me two years. Yes. To, or it could take three, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And that, and it's okay. You don't have to jump on every new concept that comes out there. You'll be crazy. And that's why I really think, um, I, so I haven't created the course yet, but um, I'm a part of the Speculative Fiction Academy that's about to launch. And generally, it is for um, BIPOC authors to teach other Bi- BIPOC authors, but um, it is definitely a multicultural mm-hmm. group. And so um, I'll be putting up a, a lesson on the brand position statement because I think it is just that critical for yeah. people. Um, it's an empowering statement. Um, and for me, it's it still is growing. Like I've got up to about 10 items. 10 items on my brand position statement. And I read it every day because I want to keep understanding or keep remembering who am I? What am I doing? And like you said, somebody got all these people on Facebook or Pinterest and you're like, I better run out and do Pinterest now. But is that a part of you? Right. Right. Are you good at Pinterest or are you good at TikTok? You know, are are you good at Twitter even, you know, so you're creating all this stuff, but you don't get in depth enough for it. And so then it's an abandoned thing. It's something that's cursory and not something that's driving traffic to you. That's so true. So where can, um, where can people find, do you have your brand statement course? Will that be on your website? When you get it, or do you talk about it? Yeah, so I'll probably do a blog post about it. Um, If they go there now, I just posted a blog post a couple of, uh, maybe a few days ago, ask, are you a writer? They can click on that. And the Speculative Fiction Academy, the link is on there for that. But I haven't, I've been busy writing. I haven't uh, been able to get the modules done yet, but I will get those done and I will get them up because I think it's, really important for people um to be able to be empowered in that way yes mm-hmm. well and if if people go to your website which i will put in the show link it, show notes um you're going to see how great it is to understand your brand because that is like you go on your on alicia mccall's website and you're like i know who she is at least a part of her you yes. know like i can see what interests her what she's um, doing right now on your blog, what she's writing, like it's so concise and right there, this like, okay. I like you, you can see a visual of what it's like to have a clear brand statement. You know, that- it is very clear. Like even with my cosplay, I love cosplaying um, characters. Um, I did create my biography. It's a branded biography. So people should be able to get there. And I regularly do a blog post or content marketing that are manifestos for my brand, you know, something like why I write kick-ass black women heroines or, 
something like, you know, um, five black women heroines in science fiction and fantasy that I love. Those mm-hmm. are, those would be manifestos or in the world of mere mortals, you too can be an Afro pub superhero. Yeah. <laughs> So I I really want to encourage people to go uh, find you. So can you tell them what social media do you use? And then your website, because it's, you know, not to copy you, but to see what this means, like to have a visual, because sometimes we can listen to podcasts, but we need that visual of like, yeah, how they can put it together for themselves. So I will encourage everyone to go to my website first www.aliciamacalla.com. And if you go there, you'll see all of my social media. In general, I have Facebook. Um, I do Twitter, Pinterest, um, Instagram, and Goodreads. Um, my favorite, because I'm a librarian, is Pinterest. And I collect, like, I have Black superheroes. I do African-American horror. Um, I have fun on Pinterest. I mindlessly pen, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to check out your pictures. So. That's my natural inclination. Um, but I, I do most of my things on Facebook, I think. Because, okay. you know, I'm old, right? <laughs> the new generation's like, it's now, we're on something else. I'm like, oh, whatever. Yes. <laughs> what are we going to do? So everyone can also buy their books directly from you. From your website. Well, not all of not my all books, of but I do have my superhero short reads. That's a direct sell. And I have been practicing with doing the read by author movement and just reading my own um, stories. And so um, I put I put that one up there. But all of my Emporium, all the uh, items in my Emporium are there. And so as far as retailers are concerned, I'm still primarily um, Amazon and I'm wide in some cases as well. So that's what I'm, so we're talking about where am I going? So I am working towards the serial fiction and I'm working towards um, now producing products that are hundred percent on brand. Yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. So I will encourage everyone again to go to aliciamccala.com. It's going to be in the show notes and you'll start getting, being able to put all this together, like, and understand what a really great author website is because you understand who you are and what your brand is and where you're going, really. Because we also need to know where we're going. <laughs> and Alicia yes. definitely knows where she's going. So thank you so much, Alicia, for telling us. Thanks, Kat, for having we me. Appreciate so you. Thank you. <laughs> hey. You're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the mastermind, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.